let's put a smile on that face. <laughs> guys once again we're on a new episode of extremely geeked out podcast and i'm your host ron stevens and today i have another special guest on here we've become very good friends and become a part of his new team on uh discussing comics um kyle jones hey good evening good morning for anyone listening who might be listening to us in the morning but thanks for having me on i am excited to be here yes yes i've been on a couple of your shows as well and and it's been fun talking with you on, on your show on about comic books man and i just i had to have bring you on to my show as well man yeah well i am you know like i said glad to be here it's been fun having you on you have a wealth of knowledge and you bring a very interesting point of view meaning you are younger than i am and (laughs) i like hearing from a younger point of view and that's that's cool and one question though that i've never asked you and there is no right or wrong answer so don't don't get intimidated by the question okay i've never asked you have you ever watched doctor who you know I've watched a couple of episodes, but I never watched it like frequently. The one I remember watching, like few episodes I watched before, is with um, Tenet. Ah, sweet. As, as who? Yeah, that that's the main. That's the one I remember watching before. But all uh, right. Well, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but I do know Megan, who was on the episode of discussing comics with us last time. Yes. Has not watched as much as Clarence Lee and I have for Discussing Who. So it might be fun to do a Discussing Who sometime in the future with you and Megan kind of getting the newbie perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm honestly, I'm like intimidated (laughs) about Doctor Who because it's got a huge history of, you know, of of, of the show. So I wouldn't know where to begin with it. But I mean, as far as I mean, I probably would start with, you know, Tennis um, series. But uh, yeah, uh, but I would definitely like to um, be on the show about that just to learn more about Doctor Who, for sure. Sweet, but we're talking comic books. Yes, I yes. Just, I just realized whenever we were talking that I've never asked you that question, so I was like, <laughs> why not now? Yeah, it is. Why not now? I'm, I'm free. To, I'm free game on that question. But um, before we really get into com- uh, comic books, I wanted to get to know you. Well, I want the audience to know you a little bit more, Kyle. Um, as far as how did you get into comic books? Let's see. I was the youngest child. So I was an only child growing up. And so was I. I. The youngest uh, grandchild. And I was the only child of the youngest child on my mother's family. So <laughs> my grandfather doted on me. giving, And so anytime I wanted comic books, we went to the local... Uh, supermarket, you know, whatever, because back then you didn't have comic book stores, so I'm kind of telling my age here, but growing up in the <laughs> 70s about then, uh, early 80s, so my grandfather would take me. I remember one time, funny enough, that my mother grounded me for something that I had done for a month, and after I was finished with my grounding, she felt bad, so she went out and bought all the comic books that she thought I missed uh, Wow! <laughs> for, the, for the month. So that was how I got into comic books. I mean, I was reading, like, Richie Rich, uh, which was a comic hmm. from Harvey Publication. Okay. That was, I think, my first comic, but... It's like the Archie books. Okay. I remember... The art, well, no, no it, it may have been from. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think I think that is from Archie hmm. uh, as well. Um, but but as far as superhero comics, the ones I remember from being really really young: Fantastic Four, hmm. Incredible Hulk, Justice League, and I think some Superman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, maybe a little bit of Batman. But that was. You know, that was my first exposure was 
back early 80s, uh, you know, those titles. All right. Okay. Cool, cool. That's not bad. That's not that bad. What, I, I, that makes me want to go in more. But like, what was your first, I guess, your first, what you said was Richie Rich, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the ones that I think that I remember. Okay. You know, I think I've actually had comic books since before I could read. <laughs> uh, but I but I remember those. But the ones that I think that just kind of really stood out to me was Fantastic Four and Justice League. Hmm. Wow. Man, that's about, I mean, dating back that far, I mean, that's pretty good reads right there, man. Well, I you know, what was fascinating to me, and again, this is a little kid that, you know, is five, six, seven years old. Mm-hmm. I did not understand what was going on when the Justice Society would meet up with the Justice League. Right. And you would have an older Superman standing next to a younger Superman, a older Wonder Woman. And, and that was so freaking cool to me <laughs> because I, even though I couldn't figure out why you know why you had an old wonder woman by a young wonder woman it was still cool to see mm-hmm. oh yeah man <laughs> it's it's funny because i mean back then you didn't know what exactly what what you had and what it was actually going to become years down the road you know exactly exactly and I, have you ever read crisis on infinite earths unfortunately no Okay, I, we've got to figure out a way for, for you to read Crisis because that was, I remember reading Crisis when it came out and that was the first time I can ever say that a comic book literally kind of like blew your mind. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, the first like major book like that, that, that gave me that kind of feel was Infinity Gauntlet. I remember, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember, absolutely. When I first read Infinity Gauntlet, I was like, holy crap, this is like, this is like beyond scale, you know, anything I've read in a while. So, I mean, that, so here's something like that. I, I would definitely, te- I'm definitely going to try to look into, find, trying to look into a, you know, Infinite Crisis, read that for sure. Um, I, well, 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 let me say this, and I won't say what the characters are or who the characters are, but I remember. Even in the first issue, when you see these characters that you had seen uh, every once in a while and you see them fighting for good because they were bad characters and they're fighting for good and you see this white wave, I'll call it, and these characters just disappear. And this is, again, first issue, first couple of pages and you're you know from the very start of this book that dc wasn't playing around right yeah yeah that's see that's that's like that's what i like about you know those types of stories are where they don't hold back any punches any they don't hold back any punches i love stories like that <clears throat> um but uh moving on i wanted to talk to you also about your podcast I know you do uh, discussing um, comics, but you also do um, other podcasts as well, because um, you have a network called Discussing Network that yes. has different branches. So just uh, uh, go on in the depth about that. All right. So the the way the Discussing Network got started or started out back in 2014, 2013, 2014. Lee and I had been, a gentleman by the name of Lee Shackelford, Lee and I had been guesting on a Doctor Who podcast called Doctor Who Podshock. And this podcast was actually one that started in 2005 and had been around the longest. It's known as the longest-running Doctor Who podcast. And the, the main host invited Lee and I on to the podcast together. Our first episode that we ever hosted with this gentleman by the name of Louis Trapani was the first time Lee and I had ever spoken to each other. So we're literally live on the air talking about Doctor Who. And again, this is the first time I had ever met Lee. And I've told Lee before, before, and I I will say it again, I was intimidated by Lee at at the very beginning because this was a gentleman who had written... um, 
for Star Trek before. He had created his own web series pilot. He had done all this amazing stuff, and I'm like, oh wow, I can't hold uh, my, you know, I can't hold a candle to this dude. But you know, we hit it off uh, fairly well. And in the meantime, one of my coworkers, uh, Clarence Brown, and I had developed a further friendship over Doctor Who because he had come into my office one day and said, hey, dude, can you tell me uh, something? You know, I, I'm looking for something to watch. And I said, oh, Doctor Who. So him asking questions and me giving hints of, hey, here's what's to come, developed, you know, like a friendship over Doctor Who. Well, Clarence had already been podcasting, doing a tech podcast. And long story short, we decided to do our own podcast, but wanted to have three people. And we started a podcast called Discussing Who, but I, but I also wanted to do comic books and sci-fi. And at first, we did everything in Discussing Who. Well, <clears throat> branding, you know, hindsight 2020, can't do that. Yeah. And we, we broke it up. We just said, okay, Discussing Comics. Then, um, you know, we had Discussing Who. And when Star Trek Discovery came about, Clarence decided that he wanted to do a Star Trek podcast. So, hence comes Star Trek uh, Discovery or Discussing Trek. So, hmm. yeah. that's our three main shows. We also do another uh, that's a brainchild of Lee that is an audio drama. Actually, it's a sci-fi drama serialized in format called uh, the Relativity Podcast. Hmm. And um, I would be remiss to say that you have joined in with us, and so now you're part of the family. So yeah. long story short, but or maybe short story long, that's, <laughs> that's kind of how that all got started. No, man, that's that's a very interesting story right there. A very awesome history about um, discussing network, man. And, and I'm so glad to be part of that now with us with, um, discussing comics. And just, do you have, like, are you still looking to grow on Discussing Network or any other future plans? You know, we've done podcasts for, for so many years, and I love the medium because, you know, you can l sit here and not have to worry about, oh, well, you know, am I, is my hair combed? Am I shaved or whatever? Because, mm. you know, people are listening to your voice. I love right. that. We've, we've also done some um, video you know over YouTube uh, I have found that that is a very hard medium to break into you either you know hit it at the right time or you know you got to either have the right look or whatever the case may be I love doing the YouTube videos but the thing and I think you and I in our first conversation when you were on discussing comics I think you actually brought up the point that with video there is so much more time it is it really is yes it is uh it yeah it is very but to answer your question i think we're always open to growing you know that's that's definitely you know something that i am you know totally totally open to hence you know me reaching out to you and us developing a friendship mm -hmm. because if you don't grow you you get stagnant and yes I, and i do you know and change is good you know mm -hmm. and, and that's a good thing but um what's on the horizon i think right now we've got you know the next series of doctor who coming out in, in 2020 there's always comic book stuff you know going on mm -hmm. and with star trek discovery the new season will be out in 2020 but gosh the picard series is like nostalgia fields left right and center and i'm so excited about that yeah you know what like i'm not a huge star trek fan but there's few there's if there's one genre of star trek i liked i loved the next generation which was patrick stewart's run on star trek I like that story. I love his series, and for them, I guess, to for them to do this continuation of his story, yeah, I'm I'm very interested to seeing what they where where they go from from here with him. So, have you seen the trailer? No. So there was a trailer, and for Star Trek fans, and I won't 
spoil the trailer, but for Star Trek, the next generation fans, and maybe I'll go so far as to say the other shows that came out during that time from Star Trek, you need to go to YouTube and look up the new Picard trailer from San Diego Comic-Con. That's all I'm going to say. won't spoil anything, <laughs> but wow. Wow, hey, I'm definitely had to check that out. You know, also, J.J. Um, Abrams' Star Trek, I thought, was really good for his take on William Shatner's run and just kind of do his own thing. I thought that was really cool to just rewrite it into his own his own type story. I, I thought that version was was really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I I'm all about the alternate reality things i'm as long as you give me a good explanation i'm cool with it you know i know some people didn't like it as much as others just like some people didn't like discovery as much as others but again give me a good excuse give me a good story and nine times out of ten i'm going to be good with it hmm. yeah same right there i'm right there with you man all right so let's move into comic book talk so today's topic I want to discuss about on who is your favorite comic book artist and it has it's, it's for me it has to be someone the story like I may not even like a certain character or a certain comic book but if I know that certain artist is on there I'm gonna pick out I'm gonna pick up that comic book and read it just simply because of the fact that artist is on it for me, I, w- I would say, and you probably would not even expect this one, but Roberto Ramos. I am expecting it because I, d- I remember you saying. Did I tell you? Or, uh, yes, th- yes. yes. So I actually have notes because w- I remembered you saying that, but um, because you said that his description and depiction of how he drew Peter and how he drew Spider-Man is what, correct me if I'm wrong here, really drew you to the character. It does. It really does. It's his edginess and his highly expressive style to to the character. That's what really yeah, it really draws me in. It, it, and it fits to whoever's really writing, writing the story. Um, I, so do you mind if I ask you a question? Yes, go ahead. So what about that specific style because I remember when Joe Maduria and and I apologize if I'm not pronouncing his name correctly but when he was drawing Uncanny X-Men I liked the style but a lot of people didn't like the manga influence and with Ramos's style while not quite the manga influence it is kind of the manga influence yeah what about that draws that draws you to it how can i explain it it's just like if i how i'm trying to picture it as being like an emotion like a motion picture and just how he can make spider-man start web slinging and he makes like this full like say he does like this splash page of him web slinging through the city like you feel like you watching him doing, you know, web slinging, and it is—it's just, like I said, it's just how he exaggerates certain angles of how, on the body of, of on Spider-Man or whoever he may be drawing. Uh, is I don't know. It's just—it's so something about it is just so like attractive to me, like that way. It's—it's it's just like I said, it's, it's very expressive and how he. Um, uses like does a certain facial expressions on how whatever that character might be going through you know um oh good no 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 i was sitting here thinking the first time i encountered his artwork was i believe and this may be his first official work that he may have ever done was on a image book i believe it was called dv8 and it was you know like d and the letter v and the number eight and it was a darker version or the anti-gen 13 hmm. and i remembered that you know his his style was so unique then and, and 
you know, it was very, I think you said it best. It was very descriptive in the faces. Like mm-hmm. you knew when someone was mad. You mm-hmm. knew when someone was happy. Mm-hmm. He had very descriptive, or has very descriptive faces. So yeah. That was my first encounter with him. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, um. My first encounter was, I was like in middle school, and. I don't know if you remember. I don't know if they did this around during your time in school where they had like book fairs. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was at a book fair and they had this um, Spider Amazing Spider Man history book, and I was like, oh wow, that's awesome because at this point I already had read Ultimate Spider Man and I've been constantly watching the animated um, Spider Man series at that point. So like. That, that I had to go, I had to grab this book. So just to learn more about the, you know, Spider-Man, I was flipping through the pages, and at this point, I think he already had done a few issues of Amazing Spider-Man, and they, in some, when they talked about certain characters, they use his art for different characters and give them a, bi- you know, a little bio history and, you know, what, you know, issues they were in and whatnot, and. I was like, man, this is really good art. Like, who, who did this? Who, like, who was, who were, who was the artist behind this? And I looked it up, and it was, it was him. I was like, wow, this dude is really good. I mean, I, like, I really like how he, how he draws these characters, and how, like, like if I wanted this to be like a cartoon series, I would want Humberto Ramos to actually draw this cartoon. Uh, <clears throat> I think his style tra- translates very well into animation it's, it's it could it really could i th- i mean my, my opinion yeah i think it really could so do you, do you mind me asking you another question mm. you you made a comment a moment ago about you had you know certain artists that you will buy the book no matter you know what the story is because you like the artist Mm -hmm. and you don't have to say you know hey it's this artist or that artist but do you have the reverse of that meaning an artist if you know an artist is drawing a book that makes you shy away from buying the book even if it's something you enjoy reading well that's yeah and you know what that's the thing about that everybody has their own taste about um Art, you know, about art. Not to, you know, take that away from that certain artist. That's not saying they're not bad. It's just that, you know, they're not, they're not my taste. But um, if there was one artist that I can say that I'm not a real huge fan of, hmm. And again, you don't have to give an artist because you know that's kind of right. Know, especially since we're doing. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't want to bat. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah uh, well, I'm just curious if, if that because I'll be honest, that happens to me. If, it does. Yeah, it does. Work is very abstract. I would say, uh, I I I can't, I can't get into it if it's too abstractly drawn I guess that's the best way mm-hmm. to say but there are some artists that I do shy away from simply because of that mm, okay yeah I see what you're saying the thing is I can't I'll probably still read it because of the fact that I feel a comic book the perfect it has to be a perfect marriage between the artist and the writer as well you have to because like if one lacks off of that I think okay well this person this artist or this writer right here could pick up the slack or I can if the story could be good enough to where I can actually ignore the style of the art so like there were times where I read I was reading Eternal Batman and at some point during the story, during the story, he, I think Scott Snyder may have changed like two or three artists. I'm trying to remember who all did the art on that one, but um, at one point where it changed, it was the style of the art was not my taste at all, but the story of it all was good enough where I could ignore what was happening, you know, what, what I was what I was actually visualizing, but it 
the story actually helped along for you know just get past it and read it through um but i don't it, it really all depends if if this artist is not who i i really prefer i just hope that the writer is picking up the slack you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. absolutely uh, yeah so it, it, it don't really necessarily it don't have to like I said it don't really necessarily have to be a like a absolute deal breaker if I don't like the artist but as long as it's got a good story I'm good I'll be I'll be fine I'll make it through I just hope that it's only for that one issue <laughs> but uh but yeah Kyle who is your favorite artist so when you asked me that question it made me think honestly a lot more than I had anticipated so I couldn't <laughs> answer with just one person seriously I, no no I understand but I can give you I can give you three and I can tell you why so I, I was Perfect. able to to condense the list down to three people okay so the first one's going to be George Perez mm. and I first encountered him when he was drawing new teen titans he is the artist on crisis on infinite earths he's had a very successful avenger grind from on more than one occasion and he redefined wonder woman back in 86 87 after crisis and the look that he designed for her pretty much stayed around until 20 13 or so, you know, mm. or actually until the New 52 for the most part. So, mm. um, George Perez was one of them. The other was John Byrne. And I remember John Byrne, the Phoenix Saga, the Dark yep. Phoenix Saga, that was all him as far as artwork. Um, Alpha Flight, he created Alpha Flight during X Men and the original. I forgot about that, yeah. Alpha <laughs> Flight. Um, Superman, Wonder Woman, he's been on Avengers. He was notorious for, uh, and, and in a good way notorious, for breaking the fourth wall with the sensational She-Hulk comic. <laughs> and he had a very successful Fantastic Four run. So uh, John Byrne would be my second person. And the third one has to go to Jim Lee. I loved his design. That's another good one, uh, yeah for X-Men and I'm, I come very close to saying what you did about if Jim Lee draws it then I'm going to pick it up I will stop at the point of saying I may not pick it up if I know Jim Lee is drawing it but I get really happy if Jim Lee is drawing a character that I'm reading hmm. you know and you know, and I think it's really because um Jim Lee is now like head honcho in DC now and I don't know if you noticed it I mean granted he's still good or hands down amazing artist and sometimes I wish he would do a Marvel book just one time and be done but <laughs> but um it, it is at times he's right when he's drawing it seems that he's just drawing to like he lets the, de the deadline affect how he draws Hmm. Okay, so let me ask you this, because you actually said something that made me think when you were talking earlier. So let's say you have a favorite artist. doesn't mm -hmm. matter who it is, but mm -hmm. you have a favorite artist. Mm -hmm. And that artist is making a 12-issue maxi-series of okay. your, let's say Spider-Man. That's okay. your favorite character. Okay. So... Would you be happy with that 12-issue maxi-series coming out over 36 months because this person is not very good with deadlines? Or would you rather six of those issues be drawn by this artist and the other six be drawn by someone else? Or what would you are, – are, are you okay with that? What's your preference if you know that this artist cannot, for whatever reason – meet a month-to-month -month deadline there are because granted let's put use i'll use ramas for this example and he's done few arcs 
He's never like like con- like an ongoing artist with Spider-Man. He, at least he hasn't been for a while. Um, but there are time, there are been issues where it seemed as though he wasn't doing his absolute best, and it seemed like he was just trying to just meet that deadline and move on to the next project. I guess. And sometimes it can be a little like ah, come on, man. You know, like you kind of hoping that it because the the story might have been really good. You know, it might be at maybe the second to last issue to that you know the concluding conclusion of that arc and it is it's the hit the arc's just not really hitting it like on full throttle it might be like to you it may be a 10 but at this point right now at this point right now it might be in like in a seven or an eight yeah it can it can be a little downer but I'm going to take it one step further or or maybe just tilt it in a little bit of a different direction. We are in an age of such instant gratification. Very true. I think that if we're expecting a month-to-month comic and we have so much other content to digest and take in now in so many different forms, if I have to wait four months for the next issue of a book to come out, I'm not going to probably remember what happened in the last issue because it's been four months and mm-hmm. my golly, I've forgotten you know what's been going on. So I think you run the risk of damaging and hindering your audience when when you're like that unless you say in the beginning, hey, 12 issues, 36 months, one one every four months. And then if you sign on for that knowing what it is, you know, more power to you. Right. I just don't like the I'm missing a deadline and because I'm artist number one mm-hmm. and I can do that. I remember back when Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly took over X the X Men comic and rebranded it New X Men. I remember there being like two, three, four, five months at some point between issues and it was like the your other x-men i mean x-men books were just going along as normal but because you had an artist that couldn't meet the deadline it took forever for this story to get uh told Mm -hmm. you know i've noticed that with certain like even with some of those event books and i think the one i can remember was dc's um forever evil now granted this book was this was supposed to be like a six to seven part issue book um told within between justice league and certain other tie-ins in the main title it took literally a whole year for this book to come out like to finish Grant versus to when Marvel they were already moving on after they finished with um I'm trying to remember what book was close I think it was Infinity and they were about to start into Original Sin before you know Forever Evil was about to come out all because of you know certain I guess I guess certain uh, plot issues or art issues they they d- delayed it they kept on delaying it. It, I mean, it took like nearly six months for the last issue to come out, and by that point, you pretty much almost forgotten what all happened within that issue. Okay, look at uh, Doomsday Clock. It started in November 2017, 12 issues, and we're still going. So it's sometime in 2019. We're assuming because I think we're at issue nine or ten. But it's taken from 2017 in November all the way to now to get nine or ten issues, and we're yeah. you know almost in August of 2019. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a dual-edged sword. You want, granted, like you said, we're in this uh, instant gratification, but at the same time, it doesn't hurt to you know slow down a little bit, but at the same time, don't drag your feet as well with it. 
I think that there should be at least like a ground, a sound mind on what you want to do with that story and stick with it. Mm. Yeah, and just stick with it. Don't let, you know, I think, I think they may have let their, I, I don't know, I guess I was, for the better lack of the word, confidence or their, you know, their confidence in the story affect them. Maybe there's some little bit of doubt in it, maybe. I don't know, but. I think, like I said, if you got an idea, just and you know for a fact, you know you don't need p's and q's, and you, you all, you're completely sure about it, then run with it, regardless of the fact of what you know people may think of it and may say of it. You know, you live and you learn. Well, and and it also goes into the publisher's planning because mm-hmm. I'll use you know we talked about Crisis on Infinite Earths um, a few minutes ago and mm-hmm. when that book came out it was your traditional i think normal sized book and but perez is known for loving and he does this very very well drawing a lot of people in a panel i mean he is brilliant yeah. at putting a lot of people in a panel well that was in 1985 in 2005 where that was Crisis on Infinite Earths when we had Infinite Crisis, the sequel 20 years later. I think it was only eight issues. It wasn't as much, but there were more you know, pages per uh, issue. I think it was every other issue. There was another artist that was drawing every other issue, and Perez was only drawing maybe the odd numbers or just the even numbers. But it allowed them to stay on schedule, and the book came out on time. But they planned around him having enough time by having another artist. And the other artist, it made sense because they were mm-hmm. telling another angle of the story. See, that makes sense right there. That to at least have like a you know like a fallout plan if anything arises, you know. Um, Funny, uh, awesome story. I don't you know if you saw on my Instagram page where I posted a picture of um a signed art, you know, a signed book, um, Infinity Gauntlet. I had bought that book two years ago at my comic book shop. It was sitting in one of the um back issue racks, just sitting there for twenty bucks. And I was like, "Are you serious?" Like. And just sitting there, and I was like, I gotta take this. I, I had to get it. And fast forward to a couple of months ago, um, the owner of my comic book shop, Bernie, he came up to me, or he mentioned it that um, uh, during a conversation that uh, George Perez was um, retiring, and um, I was like, oh wow, that's that's something right there. I mean, I knew I'm I'm not going to be able to meet this guy to have this book signed so I didn't even really think much of it but like a couple of weeks later he uh, told me that um, hey we got somebody that's going to be going to at one of the comic cons that Jorge Perez was going to be at and I was like oh really cool yeah and he's going to like he's going to he's taking other people's books to have them you know have them sign him there too and I was like oh cool so I'm like which comic con was this and he told me I think it was um I think it was Niagara Falls Comic Con he was going to be at. I looked it up to see, you know, you know all the other details, and I found out that Jim Sterling was going to be there too, and both of them were part of that <laughs> that major book there. So um, I was like, yeah, I got to get onto this. So only cost like twenty bucks or twenty five bucks each for yeah for both of them to sign it. So. I handed my book to Bernie. He gave it to the guy who was going to um, there, had them both sign, and he came back. He's like, "So there was one little hiccup." And I was like, "Oh God, don't tell me he has the wrong person sign it." He's like, "No, no, no. We got no. They, they, he got Perez and he got Sterling to sign it, but he had one more person on there as well. And he said that it was um, uh, it was Russell. I can't remember the third person's name, but he was also a penciler of that book as well. So, oh, sweet. yeah, so I got a little awesome accident as well along with that. So I had all three. So I had three of the members of that book to sign that as well. So I thought that was really awesome. That was like the highlight, one of the highlights of the 
of my year of yeah. having it. You definitely need to do to frame that in some way, you know, like some kind of protective. I I plan on having it graded. I, I do have pl- plan on getting it graded. Um, cause it's it's in pretty good shape. I mean, I don't see it being no mate. But but just for your own memorabilia, you know, just for your own enjoyment, hmm. that way that the you know the sands of time. Uh, I got so you. Speak, can't you know corrode it? I got you. I got you. Yeah yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that was that was that was pretty awesome, man. I, I like, I was watching Bernie walk into the back to go get it, and that's all I saw. Everything was like blacked out. I'm just watching him go into the room to pick it up, and I'm like, just couldn't hear nothing but else. the scene him picking it. I was like, oh my gosh, this really happened. I got a book that's signed by Jorge Perez and Jim Sterling. This is, I'm at my peak at comic book collecting right now. Uh, uh, but but it doesn't that just add an in level of enjoyment for what it, we do? It you know, does. Being podcasters, because ultimately, at the end of the day, these people that we hold in such high regard, mm-hmm. yes, they are amazing artists, but these people are normal people just like you and I. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they are just as, nine times out of ten, you may get somebody that's not a people person, just like Never, not every podcaster is a people person, but you know that, that that's part of what they do, mm-hmm. and for you to be able to experience that, I think is so cool. Yeah, oh yeah, man, I, I thought that would be an awesome thing, and it's something I can share to my son when he gets a little older. You know, just share a little, you know, history about that, man. And it's it's, it's awesome. It's awesome feeling to have that there. But I, I figured I'd just let you know on that little story you mentioned about Jorge uh, Perez. Yes, yes. Uh, so, you know, you said something about the future. I, I, I'm just curious, do you have anything? Because I'm talking all past here. Do you have <laughs> any that you like that are up and coming? I'm curious. Well, two of them made it on... Marvel's this year's Marvel's Young Guns sketchbook, um, which is Russell Donovan and Marco Chiquetto. Um, if I'm not sure if you're familiar of um, Chiquetto, but right now he's doing the latest run on Daredevil. Um, is that the the book that's just called Man Without Fear? It's part of that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Chip Zdarsky who is writing that book ah, cool. as well. Yeah, uh, they're doing an amazing job. I think they're on issue seven or eight right now. Um, but it's an amazing read and good story, amazing art. And in the book, in the sketchbook, you get to see a little, you know, basically you get like a behind the scenes of what, you know how they draw their, you know, their there's certain characters or books they're doing right now and Chiquetto did a panel with Spider-Man which looked amazing and I kind of want to see him do a amazing Spider-Man book it, it is it is really good like if you ever get a hands on the 2019's Young Guns sketchbook look at the back of the page or the back of the book the last page of the book and you'll see him draw him draw spider-man it's it's so it's so amazing it's it's really good um russell donovan which he isn't all to me i don't think he's all that new i think he's but he has been moving up the ranks in um, marvel comics um, industry right now as being the best one of the best artists is there now um, he just recently did War, War of the Realms, which is um, Jason Aaron's um, event book, and he's been he's been writing along, he's been drawing for Aaron for quite some time now, uh, especially with the Thor books. Uh, he helped bring in the um, female Thor. Um, oh yeah, Jane Foster. This is Jane Foster's Thor. Um, so that. 
that's showing him to actually bring in a new character help bringing in new characters or giving that visual of what that new character will be that uh, that definitely brings up new levels for I would love to see him do I like to see him do a Fantastic Four book I, I think yeah I would like to see him do a Fantastic Four book or um like I'm not sure did he do a Captain Marvel book Mm. Considering the fact I'm not a very big Captain Marvel fan, I, w- I wouldn't know the answer to that. <laughs> mm. Mm. I'm sure if he hasn't, I would like to see him do one too as well. Um, but that Marco Giacchetto, um art of Spider-Man was like, I I would love to see it. Whenever um, Ryan Artley and, um, um, and the artists are there, uh, when they're done with Amazing Spider-Man, I like for him to be that new, that next create part of that new um, creative team to do ASM for sure. I'm not sure who's drawing the first several issues of the latest Miles Morales Spider-Man comic, but whoever that is, and I know Pacelli was drawing it, uh, you know, at some point. I think that may be, may have been where she got her start, but whoever is drawing it now they you can tell that whoever the artist is has aged miles and his cast just a little bit ever so slightly that isn't enough to where he still seems like a teenager but it's making him a little bit less of a you know 13 14 he's looking more say 15 16 17 mm-hmm. and i think it works better for the character and and they're just subtle differences on all the characters, but just enough to where you can tell that there's just a little bit of growth in the characters, which I think visually is very good. So whoever that is that's drawing it, kudos to them. I like the style. Javier Garon. Ah, cool. Which he's another he's another name that made it on the, on the Young Guns as well. He's yeah, definitely. I totally agree with everything you just said about him. He's definitely a good artist on that as well. Aaron Cutter is a pretty good artist as well, which uh, he is currently write or drawing um, Fantastic Four. Uh, so it, he's, I, I like it. I definitely like it. It's, it's different from, like I said, all artists are different, but it's, it's a different take on Fantastic Four versus to Sarah Pacelli's take on it on the first couple of issues she did. Um. It kind of works. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it kind of works for the Fantastic Four, though. It does. It really does. Yeah. It, I, I have nothing against it. I, like I said, I'm still reading Fantastic Four. It's still a good story, for and still good, you know, still good art. But it's, it's like I said, it's, it's it's different. I saw it. It's just different. One artist that's doing, that's currently doing Thor. This different from anybody else anybody, I don't never I haven't seen any kind of art like this done in a while or I mean a while but ever really but um Mike Delmondo who's the artist of Thor it is his his use in coloring is so different from everybody else's how he how it kind of just it's almost like he uses like I want to say like oil painting or whatever how he does the art is just it's not bright but it's like off colors I guess you could say to yeah it's it's all, yeah watercolor would be a yeah. good good way to say it because I'm looking at a image or an image of Thor reaching out and the hammer is like being sent downward and it it looks like an old oil painting or some type of watercolor painting it's it's i don't think it would work for a lot of characters but i think it does work for thor thor it does yeah it's a it's a good fit to it yeah and it's like um the current artist for silver surfer black i'm not sure if you're reading that I don't. I'm not sure if I would read his art any like if it was any other book. This it's perfect for this story. It is so like 
the, the story itself is amazing but it's just it really brings out the what you're reading like it, it's it's hard it's, it's hard really hard to explain but it's it definitely fits it's not what you would it's not your traditional um photoristic real type art it's more so using the color to shape out the character almost versus to you using actual pencil lining sharp edges or whatever but it's more smooth and it's more loose I guess free it's like free drawing almost in a sense but it but the silver surf the artist on the silver surfer black is it, it fits it for sure mm. see that made me actually interested in in checking that out because uh, some of the stuff I've seen on silver surfer before got to, goes into that abstractness and just didn't speak to my brain so mm. it definitely fits it I, um i think they're on issue two right now i think yeah issue two came out last wednesday i think it's a bi-weekly book but um it's yeah it's psychedelic that's the best way i can yes it's psychedelic that type of style of art is psychedelic that's the word i'm thinking of and it's using all sorts of bright colors and shading perfectly with the black color is it is it's amazing how he uses white and certain grays to make the silver surfer it's it's amazing it's really good man it, i definitely like i said it, it fits this silver surfer book but I don't, I don't know if i would have read it if it was anything else i don't know if it would, if it was like a I don't know Captain America. I'm not sure if I would have read that book because of that art, but it, it's uh, it, it's definitely it definitely fits Silver Surfer Black. Well, you know that's like you know take Doctor Strange. He is a character that you could do psychedelic with. You know? mm. uh, yeah. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think in the 70s and in the 60s when Doctor Strange first came out. I think there were some anti-comic book, you know, really conservative uh, people that were like, this was promoting drug use because of the look and feel of Doctor Strange and the weird things that Jack Kirby or whoever it was that was drawing. I don't think it was Jack Kirby, but still, the, the drawing style of the time to make the weird shapes and whatever that whoever some of these people were did not like it simply because they thought it looked too you know psychedelic or whatever. right <laughs> and i'm sure that there were people who got high or on whatever the case <laughs> may have been and was reading dr strange and it probably did look like it was jumping off the page but hey you know, it was the 70s it was the 70s <laughs> but you know it uh, and that's going off of Marvel stuff, what, what they got going on. Marvel is not hurting when it comes to artists. When it comes to art, they have like a plethora, like an endless clip of good artists. And it, it is a certain, there's always an artist that will fit your style. So that definitely, but as far as DC goes, I'm trying to remember who does The Flash. Gerard Gerardo Sandoval. There we go. That's the name. It was a. It was a, It was an S name. I couldn't remember his last. His. Yeah, Gerardo Sandoval. Him. He. Uh, I like his style on the Flash, especially his. I mean, he did um, uh, Rebirth. Uh huh. It was really good. I I liked his style on Re Rebirth. It was really really good. Um. How is the shade of red he uses for Flash's suit, how he drew him, how he ran, how he made the electricity fly off of him as he's zooming through the city. It was just, it was awesome. It was really cool. And he brought in, helped bring in a new character, a new villain too. He helped bring in Godspeed, which I thought that was an insanely powerful speedster. Like, how can you, he, like, he was so fast that he can literally be in two places at once which was insanely fast he can be his 
ultra ego and also be Godspeed at the same time. He was that wow. fat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, basically, he can control or not control time, but tr- speed through time. Basically, yeah. It wow. was yeah. It was insane how fast this guy was, and you would have never thought he was Godspeed because. Gatsby made it showing up, and seconds later, his alter ego shows up or whatever, and it like you would never thought, oh wow, maybe he's Gatsby. No, like you never would have thought that at all. It was. So I'm assuming that they've revealed who the person is. Yeah, they did. They 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 did reveal it because how it was, they made him a speedster, but. They made it seem as though he couldn't bend it, because it was like he was having, he was playing it off as if he couldn't control his speed, his speed force. But it was just, just all a ruse, and wow. turns out, yeah, it was all a ruse, and turns out he was Godspeed. It, man, he tore Flash a new one. It was. So, so without saying who Godspeed is, what was the premise of the character Godspeed? During the rebirth, they were they retold Flash's origin when the lightning struck the chemicals and made him Flash. That character was in the same area or in the same room when it happened. So it, not only did it strike um, Barry, it also struck him as well. Okay. Hmm. So, yeah, it was very interesting. I was like, ah, okay. Like, he was, I think he was, like, in the offside room or something, and the lightning struck, and it kind of ricocheted or whatever, but it hit him as well. Or it hit him to where, I guess, he got more of the full, like, more of the full effect than Barry ever did. So it almost killed him, but just kind of, like, I guess, kind of hurt or hurt um, Barry and you know send him to the hospital or anything, but it was like it almost put him like it kind of put him like in life support so it kind of didn't that's why you didn't really know anything about him up until that point so hmm, okay yeah it was interesting how they did that it was, was kind of how they did with um, same premise as how they did with um, Peter and uh, Cindy Moon that's what I was thinking that sounded sounded very familiar. Mm-hmm. It, was, it had the same premise. I, I'm curious, you know, and I have a question for you if you don't mind. Is there any visual from Marvel or DC or anything else that that's just kind of like, oh, I can't wait to see that? Hmm. Well, you know, like I mentioned, uh, you mean as far as like movie wise or like comic book wise? No, 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 no. Oh. In, in the comic. Oh, comic. Okay. Oh well. Um. Right now, I'm actually kind of interested in seeing this House of X and Power of X. I'm actually looking forward to that, and that's that's a, that's saying a lot to me because I'm really, out of all the Marvel books, I'm kind of off with X-Men because there's, okay. there's been a few bad stories that kind of just shung me away from reading anymore but um knowing that Jonathan Hickman's writing it I'm thinking okay this book shouldn't fail <laughs> this is like this this should be good this so I am actually excited to to read this book and it's coming out this Wednesday so yeah I'm definitely excited about that um as far as DC goes, I'm actually interested, still interested in about um, Justice League. Um, Scott Snyder has um, been doing a pretty good job, right? For my opinion, I think he's been doing a pretty good job writing writing it. Um, so I'm still looking forward to, to the next issue. Um, current, I haven't read the current issue just yet, with the Year of the Villains um, run. So if I had to answer that question, I would probably say, again, Age of X, like you said, and or not Age of X, uh, House of X and Powers of Ten. I'm really excited for that because the X-Men have always been 
my go-to, my favorite in the last five or ten years. They've not been my go-to. They've not been my favorite. And if Hickman can bring back the special spark, whatever that spark may be, mm-hmm. I am so excited if that happens. And you know, just seeing some of the titles that they've got coming just makes me want to like put a big smile on my face. <laughs> and I hope that they can deliver. So that's that's what I'm excited about. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. But to you know what, and to um, just to go on to a little bit more about the artists, is, I mean, there's like I said, there are so many, many names. I mean, right, I can't think of them all right now. But there, there's like I said, there's something for anybody nowadays, and and to to actually enjoy, it. you know, and um, and it's awesome. And it, and back then, like I said, back in the day, you couldn't really. Everything was always pretty much. A cookie cutter type style like everybody was pretty much going off the same type of style so to have this broad of a style of art in comic books now is so refreshing and it is fun it makes it more fun to actually you know read a book again and isn't that from being comic book fans what we ultimately want is to be excited for Wednesday to get here Yes, yes, that that should be our Friday, honestly. Right, you know, I mean, I, I'm serious, dude. I can remember that I would like, you know, tell my, the, my comic book supplier, quote unquote, I'm going to be out next week or I'm going to be on vacation or actually plan time off so I didn't miss Wednesday. You know, <laughs> I was that serious and I want that feeling again. I want the books to be to where you feel like you don't want to miss a Wednesday. Yes. Yes. Without a doubt, man, because I, I think I had that feeling earlier because I'm currently also reading um, Captain Marvel, which is also like it's actually a good read. It's actually a good read. And I missed out on issue eight. It's like sold out at my, at my own local book, own comic book shop. But it's only because some of the issues got damaged during the shipment, so it kind of limit their their quality of you know quantity of what they had. So I gotta wait till they order some more to get get my hands on another issue. But um, it yeah, I, I love comic books, man. I love I love getting ready to go buy you know buy a comic shop every Wednesday or every Thursday and um pick up what I've you know what I have on my pull list and, and just dive into that ink pages of fun you know so it's, it's it's our escape and you know I know it's my escape every now and then but um it's, it's I like being a comic reader I love art I love a good and I love a good story and I love when both of those two come together and and bring out that awesome you know what is that was awesome that awesome comic book you know well i'm glad you you know had the idea to do this because you've given me some tidbits about artists that i was maybe not familiar with Mm -hmm. that make me want to maybe go pick up or take a look at silver server you know and uh so i'm glad we did this oh yeah man oh yeah this is an um interesting topic that came to my mind i was like you know what i want to talk about you know art i want to talk about what you know what makes my you know my, my favorite artist you know that's part of what you know draws us in about comic books you know because right instead it's a of visual media. yeah it's a visual medium versus to you weren't reading harry potter or something like that or or whatever kind of novel you actually getting like a full-on visual of this epic on a page you know so yeah man why not? Why don't you not like comic books, people? <laughs> but um, yeah, man, yeah. Um, but that's it. That's all I have for you, Kyle. Um, it's been an awesome, awesome time with you talking about comic books and just everything out in between. And you know, I'm hoping and I'm pretty sure you're gonna be we're gonna be doing future episodes on here as well. And um, is there any other way to um, for the fans here who want to check you out as well on you know 
on your on your podcast like what sure I, I would say the easiest way to find out more about our shows is just to go to discussingnetwork.com it will show all the three main shows and with links to all the pages and you can also find us on facebook so just do a search but again thank you for inviting me on this was so much fun i love being able to come on with a topic that i can think about and i also love being whenever i'm not in the driving seat so that's always <laughs> fun to me so thank you i appreciate it oh yeah Have man fun. yes same here man same here um so guys that's it and catch you guys next week On Geeks and Creeps, we look at geek and pop culture with news and reviews. Then we slip into something a little more spooky with mysterious tales, featuring real stories told by you, the listener. We interview experts and paranormal investigators and look into different paranormal events, creatures, or folktales each month. Come and join the fun and find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Join the Geeks and Creeps Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram with at Geeks and Creeps. See you soon.